everyone, and welcome to Waltz from Addiction, episode 31. This is for March 2012. I'm Joe David Solis. And I'm Ben Murphy. And this month, we're going to start off with a ton of news. <laughs> That's the one good thing about having the Wallstorm characters in the DC universe, that there's always something new going on. So hopefully this trend will continue forever. <laughs> but obviously, you know, we're going to be covering tonight, you know, Stormwatch number six, Grifter number six, Voodoo number six, as well as other Wallstorm appearances uh, in the DCEU 52. We'll unfortunately have to start off with some sad news. Um, uh, artist Al Rio did pass away uh, this past month by ending his own life. Uh, he was well known for following up J. Scott Campbell's run on Gen 13. He, you know, his work always centered around drawing beautiful women, and his art was always eye-catching. So we heard Wildstorm Addiction sent out our condolences to Al's family and friends during this difficult time. So that was definitely a shocker because he was not a young man, but he definitely was not old either. So I think I finally saw a picture of him. So definitely sad. It's kind of weird to see that the uh, you know creators that we're knowing are starting to pass away. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. We've had a few over the last year or so. Yeah, I mean, heck, Stanley is uh, eighty nine. He's as old as my grandfather. So, <laughs> and I'm hoping and praying I get to meet him here in May. He's supposed to come to uh, to Dallas, so that should be cool. Anyway, on to the rest of the news. Um, we finally did get word of uh, the next Stormwatch writer. It's Peter Milligan, who has written and will continue to write uh, Red Lanterns and Vertigo's uh, Hellblazer title. And uh, that's going to be starting with number nine. No word yet if Miguel Sepulveda will still draw, but I'm pretty sure he will. I think he's listed for everything else. So On Grifter, you know, we had talked about Rob Liefeld uh, starting that title also with number nine. But uh, he's going to be plotting it. And apparently we have Frank, and I think I'm saying his name right, I think it's Terry, or Thierry, <laughs> will actually script the stories. So I know a lot of people were concerned about that. Frank has, has done uh, JSA Classified, Gotham Underground, and Batman and the Outsiders. And Scott Clark will continue to be the artist for the title. So uh, that's actually good news. <laughs> and as we've been seeing over in Superboy and you know Teen Titans, you know, uh, right, Scott Lobdell has been building and building and building to something, you know, we knew that it involved, you know, Fairchild at the very least, and we were hoping to get some more Gen 13 kids coming, and we are going to get grunge, but that's just going to be in the pages of Superboy. Uh, but we are, as we saw last month, going to get the Ravagers, number one, coming in May, and that's going to spin out of a, uh, a month-long crossover that kicks off with Teen Titans Annual number one in May. And uh, it's written by Teen Titans, Superboy, and Red Robin, and the Red Hood, and the Outlaws writer, Scott Lobdell, and also Tom DeFalco, who's been writing Legion Lost. And it's actually going to have uh, art by Brett Booth, who's doing the regular Teen Titans title. So I was actually kind of happy about that, you know, because usually when there's an annual, they don't get the same artist. So I'm glad that he's doing it. Uh, but it it begins the crossover, and then it continues through Superboy number nine, Legion Lost number nine, Teen Titans number nine, and then that goes directly into the Ravagers number one. The cover to Ravagers number one confirms that Fairchild will be in the book. Unfortunately, the other characters uh, have nothing to do with Allstorm, so but they are new in- incarnations. Some other characters that people were wondering about in the new DCU fifty two. It's also confirmed that Warblade will debut in Superboy number nine. So. You know what? I mean, I've been trying to to get hold of Scott Lobdell 
It would be really interesting to interview him and see, because he's basically the, the driving force behind putting a lot of these characters in the books right now. So uh, he's almost single-handedly bringing the Wildstorm into the, into the DCU. It's really cool to see that, that he's bringing Warblade back. So we have another Wildcat on the table. Yay! <laughs> Next up, the Stormwatch Volume 1 hardcover has been resolicited yet again for the third time. Uh, it's set to come on on April 4th of this year. It's the one that collects Stormwatch number 37 to 47, which is Warren Ellis's original run. They also solicited Volume 2 for October, and it collects the remainder of Ellis's run, which is number 48 to 50, and then it does Volume 2, which is number 1 to 11. But unfortunately, there's no Wildcats Aliens crossover included, so it's going to be kind of weird when you read number 10, and then all of a sudden the whole team's dead, spoiler alert, in number 11. <laughs> Uh, well, I guess they couldn't get the rights from Dark Horse. And last but not least, for all the longtime Wildstorm fans, uh, there was a bit of a treat uh, at Clark's Bar. Former Wildcats writer Adam Beechin, who was writing the title up until you know he, the the end of the Wildstorm imprint, uh, provided his layout for for what Wildcats would have been before he found out that Wildstorm was closing. Uh, it covers what would have been issues number 31 to 50. You can check it out at Clark's Bar under the title thread, Cat Planning. Uh, we have the link to Clark's Bar at our main page. Uh, some pretty interesting stuff. The only thing that he that he kept from that last issue was uh, Spartan proposing to Voodoo. Apparently that was supposed to lead into Wildcats number 50. That would have been their wedding. So uh, that's uh, kind of sad that we'll never get to see that. But it's it's an interesting read if uh, if you guys want to go check it out. So. Anyway, Ben, I guess we should go ahead and move into the this month's reviews. If you want to take the show from here, sure. Geez, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Pretty excited, and we covered a lot last month too. And none of this news has anything to do with that. So, pretty crazy. A lot of, a lot of different things going on. All right, I will jump into Stormwatch number six, released on February first, written by Paul Cornell, with art and cover by Miguel Sepulveda. On the cover, right away, it even says the wrath of the Daemonites, so already we're starting to see the Daemonite invasion into the DCU, the new DCU, and it's definitely starting off in all of the Wildstorm titles, so jumping over from Grifter, now we're getting it into Stormwatch. So, this issue starts out with the Eye of the Storm, which is Stormwatch's headquarters, which is a spaceship, and it's in hyperspace. In the Wildstorm side, we understand as being in the bleed. Um, and the whole ship is is being blown apart. It's kind of just disintegrating. And as we'll see in a few pages here, it's actually um, starting to appear into real space as far as what Earth sees. So right away, Jenny Quantum puts a force field around everybody uh, due to the vacuum of space just to try to keep everybody alive. But she herself has even been hurt. She, she can't seem to hear anything. Her eardrums have been damaged. So basically this issue starts off with what happened last issue with uh, Harry Tanner. Basically blew the horn that Stormwatch has been keeping in their bay. And it, it's destroying the ship around them. And he also took the projectionist with him. We go to the next page and we're actually at a, a military base and they actually see that something is coming into Earth's orbit, just appearing above them. So they're kind of keeping an eye out on it. And then we flip back into uh, you know, what's happening at the ship and Midnighter got blown out into the vacuum 
of space and and he's doing everything that he can to to hold his breath or <laughs> you know stay alive when getting sucked out in the space we go over to the engineer and jack hawksmore and and she's trying to interface with the ship and she can't get a, a hold of it so so jack tries to interface with the ship is dealing with a city and he's done it before but he hasn't done it in a long time so he starts to tap in, and this is where we meet the Daemonite. Because we quickly learn through his interaction that the Eye of the Storm is actually a Daemonite ship. The interface is, is this old, very crotchety uh, Daemonite. Uh, before we can really get into that, however, we go back out to Midnighter, who got blown out into the vacuum of space, and he is rescued by Apollo, a shirtless Apollo. Is there any other kind of Apollo? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> not not in this new incarnation of Stormwatch, because he seems to never have a shirt on. Anyways, um, we go back to Jack and the Daemonite. It's pretty funny how, how this Daemonite feels about humans and everything. But Jack is basically just trying to get him to, to realize that the ship that he runs and is part of is falling apart around him and that he probably... Uh, should help them or he himself will die along with everybody else but the daemonite doesn't seem to care about them and seems to be willing to sacrifice himself uh we flip back to apollo and midnighter and they have a nice little moment together where midnighter tells apollo that he's hot and apollo's like uh you realize everybody else can hear us right and uh the midnighter is pretty funny he's like uh i'm the damn midnighter I don't care what they think. She's <laughs> pretty neat. And uh, Apollo rescues him and pulls him back into the ship and, and basically bursts right into the, the uh, force field that Jenny Quantum had set up. And it kind of pisses off the engineer because she's like, you could have really hurt her and we lost a lot of oxygen because of that. But Apollo doesn't care because he's like, you know, Midnighter had seconds to live. So I was going to do whatever it took. And so the engineer put up a force field around them to kind of supplement what uh, Jenny was doing, since she, her ears are still killing her. And then the engineer puts her hand on Jack's head, who has already kind of tapped into the city of the Eye of the Storm, so to speak. And she says, I've never tried this before, and she powers up Jack's synapses. Whatever that means, I don't know. But basically, he grows really big and powerful in his world where he talks to cities. So he grows large enough uh, in that, kind of reality to where he can kind of be on an even plane with the daemonite and he actually pulls his like tentacles whiskers that are on his chin and pulls them down to his level <laughs> it's like you gotta bring the ship back together we're all dying <laughs> and the daemonite's like why should i save you scum you're humans you, you know so eventually they they come to an agreement jack said that he won't ever get rid of that daemonite's partial control of the ship he won't lock him in a closet so to speak because that's what they had done that daemonite didn't have any power you know whenever stormwatch was using the ship so he basically gave him a seat back on the ship to you know be able to run the ship and and have a part of it and so he he immediately pulls the ship back together tells the ship to to restore all the systems which it does that daemonite now has a voice within the system uh, on the ship, so anytime you know the Stormwatch crew interacts with the ship, you know they're interacting with the Daemonite, who who is 
partially the consciousness of the ship, so to speak. And uh, he's never really happy whenever they ask him to do something or ask the ship to do something because now it's him. Um, <laughs> so anytime they ask him to do anything, uh, I think uh, the engineer asks, you know, to put life support back on full as soon as the ship comes back together and the Daemonite's like, as you command, foul unbeliever. <laughs> it's pretty neat. Uh, and there's more of that, but you guys definitely got to read it. So anyways, uh, you know, they're looking for the, the sick bay or the medical bay as the Midnighter's pretty banged up, but so is Jenny Quantum, and he, he says, you know, her first. Get her healthy first. The engineer and Midnighter have a conversation about Harry Tanner about what he did. You know, the engineer always tried to to allow for his deceitful power. So uh, apparently, that is a power of of Harry Tanner's that that he he is the most deceitful person or or can manipulate anybody. And and this is where the Midnighter decides that he's actually gonna join the team now that he realizes that Harry Tanner's the single worst bastard in the world, and he wants to take him on and. He knows that he can't do it necessarily on his own. So he's going to join Stormwatch. And he basically tells the engineer that, you know, if he's going, Apollo will definitely join as well. We go into the holding bay from here in the eye of the storm. And this is where the horn is. Martian Manhunter's talking to Apollo here. You know, he's talking about how Harry Tanner blew the horn. And and it's likely what started destroying the ship and everything. And he's actually crumpling some piece of technology up and i can't remember do you know joe what he's destroying right there it's it's the bomb because he says i considered him a friend he's talking about harry he says this is what he used to kill us i I knew he was talking about harry but it was just weird that he was crumpling that up and i didn't quite know what it was but it was i guess what was attached to the horn to blow it and get that going um we get back to the control deck and jack hawksmore's there and He's talking to the ship, and he's saying, we're back in hyperspace, you're doing as you're told. And the ship is like, I don't have a choice, absurd scum. Now they're starting to talk about leadership, but before that, uh, we flip back over to the U.S. government, who was tracking that location, or noticed that the ship fell into real space. The commander, you know, just talk about you know, an alien ship that showed up, and and that they were probably there and covert for years without them knowing. So now they have a, a location that they're going to continue to scan. So we don't know if there'll be more interaction with the U.S. government in the future. That's that. And now everybody sits down in their like war council, their conference room, so to speak, in hyperspace. And now they're talking about who's going to lead the team now that the projectionist isn't there who was chosen to be the leader. Uh, since Adam One had failed his leadership and was killed, I guess, by the Shadow Council. So the engineer is kind of running the show here, and she's like, I don't want to speak for myself, but I'm going to put myself up as a candidate, and even though it should really be Jenny's job, but Jenny's just not old enough, so when she is old enough, she'll gladly step down, or if the projectionist comes back, or Adam One, I think she says, comes back, she'll gladly step down. So Jenny's like, whatever, I don't care. I'll vote for you. And the Martian Manhunter doesn't want to vote. He says he'll just be part of the consensus. And then Apollo finally throws his hat in the ring and says, you know, 
if you'll have me, I'd, I'd want to be part of this team as well. And you've got my vote. So he votes for the engineer as well. And Jack's like, this is all going too fast. And I'm sure he's kind of annoyed by it. But anyway, so the engineer is going to be the new leader um, for the time being. And her first thing is to look at the math that Harry Tanner was going after. It's a bunch of uh, Stormwatch security caches that Adam One had had uh, stored up or hidden and had been tracking, I guess, all around the world. And she shows this map that has all of the Flash's symbols on it. And some of them are gold and some of them are black. And black meaning it's a dangerous item and, and gold meaning that it's something valuable. So now I guess they're going to go and start start going after some of these security caches, I guess, to see what they are. Um, now I feel like it's turning into like planetary or something a little bit. Yeah, you and the rest of the comic world. <laughs> <laughs> it's starting to stray from the authority now and, and turn into planetary a little bit as they're, you know, planetary was archaeologists for, you know, superhuman archaeologists, so to speak. Maybe Stormwatch will just take an incarnation of each of the Wildstorm teams. They did authority, now they're going to do planetary. Maybe they'll be the Wildcats later. And <laughs> maybe, then, maybe. And maybe there'll be a, a weird story where they all turn to kids, and then there'll be a Gen 13. And uh... <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. And so we, we get to the final page here, and it's uh, Harry Tanner has, you know, the eminence of blades. He has a, a sword up to the projectionist's throat, and they're in this weird space somewhere i don't know i think they were trying to track down adam one i'm not really sure but basically they're in like this white space think of like the matrix or something she's saying that they can't find them there uh where they're at and she starts pulling up all this media and everything it's media from another world they something terrible is on the way stormwatch isn't going to be looking for them just yet going after harry or or the projectionist just yet because first they have to save the universe. Dun dun dun. <laughs> they'll they'll take care of it in an afternoon. It'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, not a big deal. You know, they they don't have any balls up in here or anything like that. Very interesting issue. I feel like this title has gone so many weird places in such a short amount of time. I mean, this is only issue number six, so a lot of uh, changing of the guard, so to speak, for the leader of Stormwatch. Um, <laughs> We've gone through, what, three leadership uh, roles so far in six issues. So I don't know why the engineer wants to be the leader so bad because so far the track record's not too good. And, and if you're the leader, you don't last very long. But whatever. <laughs> uh, awesome issue, though. You know, it, this con- continues to be my favorite title of all the Wildstorm titles in the new DCU. I honestly, I don't even know where this is going from here. I don't. You know, the Flash symbols, they're going after these things, and Harry Tanner's just gone for now with the projectionists, and if they aren't directly going after them, you know, what does that mean for the projectionists and dealing with Harry Tanner? Uh, It's it's all over the place. Really cool. I I really like the introduction of the Damonite. I I thought it was interesting. It was a different... uh, a different take on the Daemonites that we've seen so far, and <laughs> I really liked his attitude. I thought it was really funny, and I like that he has no choice but to to help out Stormwatch, but he does it in in a way that you know he lets his mind know how he feels about about it every time he has to help them or, or do something for them. And I think that's pretty funny. 
Um, and I can't wait to, hopefully they don't just let that go. And hopefully that continues because it, it, it brings some humor back into this title. That's very fast paced and very, very serious. That was a great issue. What did you think, Joe? Yeah, I just uh, ordered the trade through DCBS, and that's when I'll take time to reread everything because, yeah, like you said, man, it's been a lot. <laughs> I can't believe when I think about everything that's happened, that's only been six issues. So, I mean, it's just it's a great title. Whoever, whoever's been trade-waiting this, they're going to get a great trade because you cannot say that there's not a lot of story here. Paul Cornell, just the way he's writing it, it's got an undertone that's very Doctor Who-like, which is kind of the quirkiness, because there are some times in that show that uh, things are quirky, but they do get kind of serious like this, you know, uh, where you got the station blowing up. But yeah, the idea of the Daemonite being the the spirit of the station or whatever, that that was really cool. I thought that was a great idea, and, you know, after after establishing how each of the cities have spirits and whatnot, and you know, the whole emphasis on the Daemonites lately, uh, I thought that this was a very unique way to to bring the Daemonites over here instead of just simply, I mean, they could have taken a, a, a more traditional route, just maybe the Daemonites were on the station or something, you know, but the Daemonite be actually being part of the station and agreeing to stay against its will, basically, that does set up for a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting stories because basically, you know, for all of you who remember the authority, you know, they had the carrier and the carrier didn't really have a personality per se. I mean, you kind of got hints at it, but it always seemed very like, gentle or you know there there was not this feeling of a threat and obviously obviously it was very powerful but now you're going to get basically a uh, a very disgruntled carrier is what this is <laughs> so definitely a, a neat idea and you know it's it's funny that that he tailored the story to basically take us back to the authority because when you look at that last page <laughs> you know it's midnight or apollo jack hawksmore jenny quantum and the engineer and then Martian Manhunter's in the back. <laughs> so, it's the authority again. <laughs> you know, we're just missing the Doctor and Swift. I'm sorry, we're missing Swift. But um, everybody across the net, yeah, they, they, they chimed in about the, the planetary feel. So, it, it's interesting that that's where they're going to go next. It'll be interesting to see if that's what they do immediately next. Because with uh, was it Paul Jenkins doing just two issues of this... It didn't sound that uh, like that's what they were going to get to yet. So maybe maybe with um, Peter Milligan, maybe we'll get back into that. But I'm, I'm not anticipating them starting to look for anything yet. But I could be wrong. You know, we'll see. Yeah, other than that, like I said, it's a great issue. Um, Miguel Sepulveda's art's definitely gotten a lot stronger. I think he's he's gotten more comfortable with the characters. So I'm glad that he is going to be on for several more issues because obviously... You know, it just gives them more time with the characters to refine them and to give them a certain look. So, still, still the strongest of the uh, of the Wildstorm related titles, I think. Yeah, and I forgot to mention to everybody that this is Paul Cornell's last issue, and not only that, but since issue number five, it's it's been up on the DC Comics website in in the solicits that there has been a variant for each of these issues, and I just double checked it. Um, issue number five, six, seven, eight, and nine all have one in 25 uh, variant covers. 
in case you're interested. Yeah, and I, I, I've been seeing that because DCBS always offers that, which I, I'm not sure if it's a default because I, I think to myself, is there really a variant for every single thing here? <laughs> no, there'd be any. I need to go look that up later. So, uh, But let's go ahead and move on to the next one, which is uh, Grifter number 6, which was released on February 8th. It's written by Nathan Edmondson with art and cover by Scott Clark. So uh, we're rounding out all the issues now with the number sixes, you know, which is basically the first trades of everything. Like we just said, the Stormwatch one came together into what I think is going to be a really cool trade. When we move on here with Grifter, you know, we do come to a, a, clim- a climax of sorts. Um, you know, the first three issues were a lot of setup, and, and it's been interesting since... Um, since Scott Clark came on as the artist, uh, it seems like Nathan Edmondson ramped up the action big time. And I'm still curious to know if he did that because, you know, Scott Clark is definitely more of an, an action artist, I think. I don't know, I don't know why I just consider him that. It just, it just, uh, seems like that's what I've always associated him with, that he has to be doing a title that has a lot of action. And to me, he does it well. So as we come in here, you know, Grifter's captured. We got Sophia, uh, on her way chasing down the Daemonite ship that he's been taken aboard. As we open up the panel, we have uh, Carver. Uh, that's the Daemonite leader's name, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, because I remember that it was uh, like Holden Carver from Sleeper. I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was interesting that on the, on the view screen behind Carver, we see uh, an image from the last issue of Voodoo, which is the the, the image of her half Daemonite, half human. So... I do like that they are alluding to each of the stories back and forth, because as we'll see later in Voodoo number 6, they keep that up. So as we continue, um, Scott Clark reminds us that not only does he draw good action scenes, but he does draw beautiful women well. Because <laughs> we have um, Gretchen, you know, Grifter's love interest, who's been captured, and apparently they've been working her over and beating up, beating her up and whatnot, because... Uh, she she has a little bit less clothes on than when she when we when she first got captured. It looks like she's just been, you know, torn at and beaten at. So that's why I like that it's got Clark drawing her. <laughs> Sophia, on the other hand, uh, the other beautiful woman in this title. <laughs> this girl is crazy. This girl is like is like Michael Bay's dream girl come true. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she doesn't explain exactly how she's tracking it. Or wait, does she? Yeah, I mean, she's tracking the Daemonite ship, and she's just in a little little Cessna plane, you know. And then she proceeds to, as she finds where she thinks the ship is, mind you, where she thinks the ship is, <laughs> she jumps out of the plane and lands on the cloaked ship, and then proceeds to find the entrance, even though she can't see anything. <laughs> so, you know, as much as I miss Zealot, this girl definitely got some Zealot-like qualities that I could appreciate. <laughs> So then we go back into the ship, and you know, basically the Daemonites are calling forth one of their leaders, which I assume you know, they call him the Black Curate. You know, of course, Grifter in the middle of all this is not going to let this happen, so he uh, he's trying to escape. He uh, grabs his masks and runs over to Gretchen, who's in a like an energy cage. They have a nice little moment uh, where I love yous are exchanged, and then we realize that. Um, you know, he wasn't just doing that to be dramatic, because as the Daemonites pull him away, after Grifter hears this cry for help, which is not, not fully explained, uh, but it distracts him long enough to where the Daemonites uh, grab him and restrain him again. But that's when uh, Gretchen realizes that when he handed her his mask, he actually put a knife inside of it. So she finds that. 
And then we jump back to Crazy Sophia, who is somehow infiltrated the Daemonite ship. <laughs> and she just picks a random place that, uh, as she puts it, uh, you know, she's brought a couple of wrenches to throw into her plans. And those wrenches uh, resemble grenades. She does that in order to uh, sabotage the ship. Meanwhile, uh, Carver is uh, summoning the Black Curate as uh, as Gretchen in the background is escaping using the grif- uh, the knife that Grifter gave her. And then when Sophia's grenades go off, that gives Grifter enough time to take advantage of the stunned Daemonites. And he actually grabs one of their weapons and they uh, are taunting him saying, you know, that he thinks he can wield their weaponry since it's telepathic. And then, <laughs> this is probably my favorite line of the issue. It's like, don't you idiots know by now, I can hear you and your guns can hear me. <laughs> I just thought that was a great line. But yeah, so he's able to use their weapons against them. And uh, between him and Gretchen, you know, they're able to take out some of the Daemonites. And just as they're doing that... Carver is getting uh, pissed off about the fact that her troops can't keep them under control. And that's when the Black Curate arrives. And he is not happy with what he sees. So even though Carver's about to take matters into her own hands and actually take Grifter out, the Black Curate's so upset at her that he ends up killing her, which of course allows Grifter to escape. And with that, you know, the the portal that he's coming through starts to close and um and the confusion you know grifter and and uh, gretchen are trying to to fight him off and then sophia shows up with more grenades and we have more explosions and gunfire and grifter has a knack for shining himself with uh powerful women <laughs> we uh come to the to the part where they're trying to escape and as the black curate is uh, being sucked back in the portal one of the remaining daemonites grabs gretchen and leaps into the portal, and unfortunately, she's lost through the portal. Sophia and Grifter are left, and Sophia leads him outside of the ship, which is now crashing. And good old Sophia, always prepared, she had a parachute. <laughs> so these two land somewhere in the Himalayas, it looks like. You know, Grifter is is mourning the fact that he believes Gretchen is dead now, and but at the same time, he continues to hear something calling out for help. And this is where we can see, you see the crossovers in the titles. Because as we'll see later, in, uh, we're going to talk briefly about Superman number 6. Uh, we see that the piece from the Stormwatch station that was exploding in number 6 is now crashing into the Himalayas. And uh, Grifter and Sophia can see it from where they are. As we uh, saw in the solicitations, and we're reminded here on the last page, next issue we get Midnighter, a visit from Midnighter, which is going to be interesting. I'm going to have to assume that they're going to send Midnighter down maybe to go after that piece that uh, you know dislodged from the station, and maybe that's how him and Grifter meet up. We'll see. That'll be interesting to see how they work that in, along with whatever else they're going to do. Another action-packed issue, unfortunately... I think a lot of people were split about this one. I really was watching, you know, this being the sixth issue, what people were going to say, and they're really split down the middle on this. I mean, the action is great. You know, we love all that. But I think a lot of them are just frustrated because they don't really know much more about this new grifter uh, other than the fact that he's probably, probably I think, in skill-wise, maybe a little bit better than the old grifter, but 
but yeah, we still don't know too much about him. I mean, I like the issue, and obviously we're going to get another cool fight between him and Midnighter next issue. Hopefully Grifter won't die. <laughs> like he did once upon a time against Midnighter. But no, still really liking the title, but yeah, I think it's time that we need to start learning some more about Grifter, because he's, he's definitely been on the run for a long time now, and obviously he's going to continue to be that way, as we saw. When Liefeld does take over, at least we get another Wildstorm character in Deathblow. So we'll see where that goes. Maybe that'll start leading back to some Team 7 stuff. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. What did you think, Ben? I can understand why most people were split on this issue, because I was on the other half. I was not very impressed, to be honest. I, I think I mentioned it last time we talked about Grifter. I'm just, I'm, I'm exhausted from reading this this title. I mean, it's just, it's constant. It, it's never slowing down. This guy is all over the world, practically, and I, I don't know how he can breathe at this point. Like he's got to be so sleep deprived and, and just exhausted. Never eats, never sleeps. There's a ton of women in this title. Um, how all of them have more balls than any guy I would ever meet is beyond me. And and I can nitpick it even more if you want me to, but I don't know if you want to go that far. Because I had a weird art issue with not only this title, but the Voodoo title as well. Gretchen at the very end of this issue, like uh, it's like the sixth to the last page or whatever. You mentioned it at the beginning, because she, she was kind of sultry in her uh, her jail cell with, with her uh, like tank sleeve falling down her shoulder. There's two panels at the very end of this issue where that sleeve just disappears and it goes underneath her arm, underneath her shoulder. And I'm like, if that actually happened, her boob would just be hanging out. I mean, it's just true. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You're not the only one to point, pointed that out. I did read some other people talking about that. <laughs> I'm like, uh, did anybody check no, this? It's, it's, it's the momentum. See, he's running and she's running, so the momentum is keeping the shirt there. You see? <laughs> right, I see. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense then. I, I don't know. It just, it's... I need a I need a break from Grifter. I need, I need it to slow down and somehow catch its breath because it's... it's a little much for me right now i don't know i don't know how else to describe it sorry no i mean it's it's fine i mean like i said we'll see i mean uh obviously nathan edmondson's got two more issues and we know that we're gonna get from the solicitations midnighter and then we're gonna get a uh, confrontation with grifter's brother which you know we we knew that that was coming back eventually so i'm kind of glad that, it, that at the very least he gets to revisit that before you know he hands the title over to liefeld so but yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, I'm still I'm still enjoying it, but I mean, I, I hate that I see that so many people are just giving up on it, and especially you know with Liefeld coming, they don't want to give it a try. And you know, maybe with this Frank Terry, maybe they will give it a try. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. It's not killing me. I just I I want it to be great, and and sometimes it just doesn't feel that way all the time. Let's move on to Voodoo number six, released on February twenty second, written by Josh Williamson, with art by Sammy Bosry and cover by John Tyler Christopher. Um, this is the first cover that I was kind of bummed out about. I don't know how you felt about it. Covers for Voodoo have been really really neat and well thought out, and and you know kind of had some innuendos behind them and. And we were talking about the last issue, how it had a really cool yin, yin and yang 
style theme to it and it, it just it really worked well for the title um this is the first cover that it kind of bugged me because it's a very traditional cover page. No, I agree with you. Actually, at first I thought it was Adam Hughes because Voodoo, just Voodoo, very looks very Adam Hughes-ish <laughs> in her pose and and all that. You're right, and she has huge knockers that are. Yeah, yeah. I was I was trying not to say it, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I figured if I said Adam Hughes, people would be like, oh yeah, that's that's part of his style. <laughs> but yeah, and and you know, there are some John Tyler Christopher images that are out there at least one other i don't know if there's two but that i guess are not going to get used which is kind of sad because yeah i was definitely loving his covers but anyway yeah i agree with you all right so this issue starts aboard the daemonite ship that uh voodoo had gotten to last time so voodoo is in here and and she you know set the ship to self-destruct after she killed that daemonite from the last issue and she had just come to the realization that she's in fact a clone herself so she's kind of trying to deal with that as well and deal with the fact that the daemonite war council had lied to her that she was who she is i guess and we know her as a hybrid of some sorts but now she's a clone so you know i guess they've created a a hybrid and, and continue to clone them so then she decides to get out of the ship before it, it blows up. I guess she had to think about it before she decided to leave. <laughs> so she gets out of there and, and the ship blows up. And then we switch over to the Black Razor bunker that's in the in the U.S. desert somewhere. They don't say specifically. So there's a bunch of Black Razors flying around in their cool suits. And this is where we go to... Assuming she's the original... Priscilla Katane, um, the one that they used to create the hybrid out of. I don't know. You'll have to verify that with me. But Blackjack is there, and um, Agent Fallon is there as well. So you're you're not sure if that's the original? Is that what you're saying? The one that uh, Blackjack and Agent Fallon are rescuing? Yeah, that's what I understood it to be. I just wanted to verify that 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 is the true Priscilla Katane that that the first hybrid was created from yeah no that's what they're that's what they're saying yeah all right there's your verification folks and this is where we get to the title page which is voodoo and smash and grab so this is where uh blackjack and and agent fallon are actually trying to break out the original hybrid priscilla katane out of this uh black razor facility blackjack's pretty much uh mopping the floor with all these uh highly trained highly skilled black razors and uh agent fallon comes in to help him out in her full garb and and joe feel free to jump in on what you think uh of her uniform so to speak oh (laughs) well i feel bad but yeah i just i just couldn't get into that design i mean I, i was fine with the redesign of the black razors but uh, it was it was just okay, and the funny thing is is that the black razors that showed up in um, Legion Lost had the the visor just like what she has, but the rest of their look was kind of it, it was more like the old style. Th- these black razors, these are the ones I like to call the Power Ranger black razors, <laughs> you know, because they have the different colored masks. Right. But yeah, it's fine. It was just nitpicking. Uh, no, I I feel the same way. I mean. She looks like a spider. Like the the helmet shield makes it look like a bug because there's multiple uh, eyes, so to speak. It's kind of goofy. I, I don't see how you'd actually be able to see out of it. But anyways, moving on from there, we go to the Damonite spaceship that is uh, 
hiding behind the moon away from Earth's eyes. So I don't know how Stormwatch hasn't picked up on this ship, but here it is anyways. Because they were busy yeah, fighting yeah. the moon oh, yeah. Again. <laughs> and blowing up. And, oh, wait, let me know. I better stop now. <laughs> There's six issues worth of stuff to talk about there. <laughs> Anyways, we go, we go to that spaceship and all the Daemonites are there. And this is where we, uh, we meet back up with Skinny from the trucker place. Anyways, um, Green Lantern shows up. I'll put that in quotes. Um, and shows up in front of Skinny. And and basically says, surrender, face the wrath of my green power ring. And uh, Skinny's like, give it up, Voodoo, I know that's you. Uh, he can smell her, basically. And she's like, fine. And so she goes back to her normal Voodoo form. We actually see a little, little bit of Grifter, uh, the illustration of Grifter here, right? That looks like Scott Clark's art there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how they did that, but it was really neat. But it's basically she's trying to read his mind, um, and he she sees a little bit of uh, of what he's fearing, I guess. Yeah, because uh, she she tells or what does he say here? Uh, what are you doing here? The boys upstairs have been looking for you. You heard what went down yet, right? You know, and when he says that, and he scans, she scans his mind. We basically he ba- she basically sees all the events of Grifter Number Six. Which, after we just talked about how you know it was all action, is contained in this one little panel. Yeah, yeah, I got I got that completely. I couldn't just understand all that because yeah, I see what you're talking about, but yeah, there's a lot going on there. I don't see how one little panel can sum that up, but sure, thanks. I'm glad that we can bounce this back and forth. Anyways, Voodoo just wants to see the war council because she's pissed off and. His skinny's like, I knew you would fail, you dummy. You can't go running into the work council thinking they'll save you. They're going to punish you anyways. And he kind of laughs her off. So she's basically sick of the sound of his voice and uh, slashes his throat. He's dead. The two girls that are always with Skinny, they transform into their demonite form. And they're, they're like, try me. I can see what you, what you fear. So she projects the black curate in their mind and, and smashes, you know, some of the ship around them and, and they uh, quickly get on their knees and go, please no mercy, have mercy on us, black curate. She, she wants information from them and wants to know if, if they know anything about her and, and that she's a clone tells them to return to earth and get back to work and to finish their assignments. And then she takes off from there. So we go back to Earth, back into the Black Razor prison, and we actually see Priscilla Catane here. And here the uh, doctor that's that's with her is is trying to inject her. And, and Black Razors, the Power Rangers, are trying to hold her down. And uh, she's freaking out. And meanwhile, outside of this room, she's going to be rescued shortly here by Agent Fallon, who breaks through the door. And Blackjack, who, who takes care of any of the Black Razors that were in that room, and pretty much rescue her. And and the doctor's like, Agent Fallon, like he knew who it was that that broke in. He's like, why why would you take the risk of releasing her and and run the risk of the Daemonites capturing her yet again? Do you know what this means if that happens? Priscilla immediately punches the doctor in the face, and she's like, I just wanted to be left alone. So Fallon's like, this is a smash and grab. Let's let's get out of here. 
And this is where this issue starts to get really weird. The difference between the clone of Voodoo up in the Daemonite ship and Priscilla Katane down here on Earth in the Black Razor stronghold wasn't confusing enough. Uh, Priscilla just decides to pop out some weird dragon-like wings out of her back. So basically she's been experimented upon either by the Daemonites or the U.S. military. Who knows? But she decides to fly off with Fallon and Blackjack, who rescued her. And now we go to the Blackhawks training facility. Blackhawks. Let me make sure you understood that. Blackhawks. Not Black Razors. Blackhawks. We good? We clear on that? (laughs) Crystal. (laughs) (laughs) Just making sure everybody understood that. So basically, there's an incoming call from the Black Razors, and this is Lincoln. Do you have any background on this character? Uh, he's part of Blackhawks. All right. Uh, there's your background. I just, just double checking that if you had any extra information that I didn't have. He's on the cover to number one. I remember because I remember the look. All right. So this is a gray haired guy. Uh, doesn't have a shirt on. This is a recurring theme around here. He has glasses on that are red tinted and they don't have any ear stems. So they just magically stay on his face like some other characters we know. Anyways, he's training and he's beating up a cyborg, I guess, at this point. You know, he's told about what's happening at the Black Razor's facility and that uh, Blackjack and Agent Fallon have kind of gotten rogue and he's like, don't attack them, just observe and report because they're both good agents and they must have their reason. And he kicks the crap out of the robot. And we go back to the Daemonite spaceship out orbiting the dark side of the moon. Voodoo is uh, making her way to the War Council, and then we see all these Daemonites, and they're like, she's here, or she is near, and they tell her to stop, and she's like, you know, I just want to be heard, I was just following orders, I just want to talk to the War Council. But, you know, of course they don't let her through, so she has to transform into her uh, hybrid form and kill a bunch of Daemonites in the process, which is a lot of blue blood. And a lot of fun for us to read. Until uh, we actually get to see the War Council here. And they're actually talking about some of the events that happened in Grifter. With uh, Carver's ship being destroyed. Some of the events that happened in Superman number 7. Which we have yet to read. And yeah, they even recap about Grifter number 6. Um, about the Black Curate being summoned. And this is where Voodoo makes herself known. And she basically says to the Ward Council, I demand an audience. You're going to give me some answers for once. Title for the next issue. I guess it's not really the title, but it just says next answers question mark. And behind her is a big pile of Daemonites with blue blood. And she has a bunch of blue blood all over her as well. Do you have anything to add to that last bit that I just glossed over quickly? <laughs> <laughs> she looks like she just lost a paintball. <laughs> the blue blood all over. <laughs> it does look like that, actually. Um, so that was issue number six of Voodoo, which I also, I mean, I, I don't know. I wasn't that impressed with this one as well. Um, I wasn't disappointed with it like Grifter, but yeah, it was just, there were, there were a couple art issues with this one as well. I don't know if you noticed this. Um, let me flip to that page here. Go ahead and talk about it. <laughs> All right. Um, actually, no, I kind of I kind of disagree because this is actually what I want in Grifter. 
you know, I, I to me this has since since Josh Williamson took this over last issue, this has a better balance, I think, of action and you know a little bit of intrigue because and obviously I realize it's the whole clone thing because you're wondering well, who's the real one, what, why is she really the clone? Is that one you know? And so there's a little bit more to think about, I think, in this this one, and that's why I think that this was a better change of pace. And the funny thing is, some people that's what they complained about that they they said that the first three issues they actually preferred the kind of quiet kind of covert stuff but you know eventually it was all going to come out into the open anyway so she wasn't going to be sneaking around forever so yeah no i've actually i actually have enjoyed the change of pace some people say that her characterization is different mm, i don't know I, I really have to to I, maybe when i read the trade maybe i'll see see it better because from month to month you know it's a little bit some of it uh, gets lost i guess but i'm actually enjoying this uh, a lot i really like I said, I really like the change of pace here, and I like the I like the story where it's going, and I like the any time a story makes you question or you're not really sure, you have to you you're still interested. That that that's why I'm enjoying this. I think, and like I said, you know, the whole thing with this the her black razors uh, attack suit or whatever, it's just a design issue because I still am loving uh, Sammy Bosri's art. I still think he draws voodoo perfectly. Yeah, I had actually forgotten that Skinny and the two girls had gotten away. I, I don't know why. I thought uh, I just didn't look back, but now I remember they took off in their little pod, <laughs> and Green Lantern actually went after him. That's what it was. Yep. So obviously, Cal Rayner didn't catch him. <laughs> so <laughs> I think overall, the way that they toted the February issues, you know, about the crossing over the Damonites. I like the the way the crossover has been handled. It's been more subtle than in your face because it's a crossover where none of the characters in these titles met. <laughs> if you've really thought about that, that's true. But I actually kind of like that that the that the theme was the Daemonites in each of the titles, and that's where it stopped. You know, and that the three separate sets of characters dealt with them still within the context of their own story. So that's a different way to do a crossover because. You know, you don't have to force the characters to meet each other, and uh, and I think it worked out pretty good. And and you know, the fact that we even saw the black curate here, and we saw, you know, images from Grifter number six, which, yes, it would confuse somebody. <laughs> I kind of wish that you know, here at the end of the issue, when when they mentioned Superman number seven, and then they mentioned Grifter number six, I kind of wish they had mentioned it up here, because you know, there's some readers obviously not reading Grifter and that are reading this. And they're not going to know. So that was that was just something that you know might have confused. But obviously, I guess they were banking on the fact that people were going to pick up each of the issues to to give this little crossover a try. I kind of hope that they did. You know, uh, obviously, you know, like we said, Grifter was the only for me. It was the only one that was a little bit frustrating. But I enjoyed Stormwatch, obviously, and I enjoyed this one. And I think it's it's interesting that they're bringing the Blackhawks in because. They did, you know, the Blackhawks, unfortunately, is one of the titles that's getting canceled at issue eight. So, and it was one of those that I always wanted to try, but it was just too much. And I, that's probably what the title suffered for a lot of people, because I, I think I heard a lot of comments about that. You know, they basically are um, DC's G.I. Joe team is what they are. <laughs> so to see that they're going to incorporate them here a little bit, I think that's kind of cool, because it continues to keep the, the universe tied together. Yeah, like I said, just Sammy Basri still knocking out of the park. I love the the confrontation with Voodoo and all the Daemonites at the end, and then you know, the last panel that you were talking about her standing at the door <laughs> with the 
pile of demonites behind her. I, I thought it was great. So yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, the the cover again. One of the things that kind of threw me off I was really hoping we still had John Tyler Christopher, but but no, I I, I think the title's turning around for the better, and I hope that people catch on to it. And you know, because this one. It's definitely on the lower end, so I'm still worried about it. You know, I'm still worried about losing it before DC launches a third wave of new 52 titles. Yeah, it's Sammy Bosry's art is awesome, and it's what keeps me coming back to this title every month. Like, I love looking at it. Uh, what I was talking about though is right in the middle um, when Voodoo's talking to the you know the two girls at Skinny. Are, are all about the two hybrids and, and it's it's not a screw up actually i just think it, it was a poor choice of which appendage to pick because it looks like in this page where uh you know projecting the black curate onto them mm-hmm. the right page the fifth and last panel uh, in the lower right hand corner you know she had just uh choked one of the girls and those girls are then on the next couple panels on their knees and the girl that she was choking has her left hand up to her throat to kind of soothe her throat. But it probably should have been her right hand because it looks weird. It looks like her chest is like hanging out of her shirt. Like you, weren't, <laughs> you weren't paying attention to what was going on there. It, well, I haven't even seen that. <laughs> it just, it looks odd. So if they would have picked her right arm, it would have made a little bit more sense. But Or, or just lowered Voodoo's hand a yeah, little bit. Yeah, it just, it looks... <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> at first, I thought it was a screw up. I had to like go back and actually look at it and be like, "Oh no, that's actually her arm," but it doesn't look like it at all. <laughs> this has been the month of boobs, I guess. <laughs> yeah, apparently. I so. apologize. Sorry. <laughs> hey, you know, after seeing Gretchen's almost come out last issue, maybe it was still fresh in your mind. You're like, "Well, maybe." <laughs> yeah. Maybe. And that's probably just a translation that gets lost, you know, between penciling and inking, you know, those lines probably just got missed, but yeah, just looked weird. (laughs) So anyway, all right, well, let's go and talk about some other, uh, Wildstorm sightings and tie-ins. Um, of course, the first month that I pick up, uh, Demonites from the stands, there is no tie. (laughs) So (laughs) way to go. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, still a cool title, but there was nothing that I could see. But apparently in coming issues, they mentioned something about somebody thinks that they kill Merlin. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, Superboy number six, no Fairchild appearance, except for in flashbacks. Uh, We do get a good fight between him and Supergirl. So that was pretty cool. Still enjoying that title a lot. The the surprise of the month uh, was Deathstroke number six. Uh, Apparently, all of a sudden, you know, people started talking about this panel that showed... A flashback with uh, Deathstroke and um, showing that uh, it appears that Midnighter killed Deathstroke's son, who is the original Ravager. So that did raise a lot of eyebrows online. I guess you could say people were really discussing that and wondering what's going on there. And the funny thing is, is that the uh, the the spike on Midnighter's chin finally came in handy because they don't necessarily show Midnighter, but they show enough to where it's obviously his chin, his spike chin. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'll have to pick that up next time I'm in the shop and flip through it to see. Yeah, well, you can see the. It's literally one page. You can see it at Clark's bar. Ah, okay. Um, 
Legion Lost number six. I didn't uh, flip through it, so I don't know if there was any more Mash- Martian Manhunter in there or Green Lantern Corps number six. Did you get to look at those? I, I believe I flipped through them really briefly, but I keep getting confused between issues four, five, and six <laughs> because I, I'm not picking them up really. I'm just flipping through them. So I think Martian Manhunter was still in both of them, but I mean, no real obvious Wildstorm ties in any in any way. Oh, okay. And also, uh, Teen Titans number six. You know, they're they're getting away from using Fairchild in there, but obviously, with the crossover coming, I would assume that we get her in there somewhere because it's going to lead to her becoming part of the Ravagers. So we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. It'll be cool to see. I'd, I'm just looking forward to Brett Booth drawing her. So, um, and Superman number six. <laughs> oh, Superman! 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 <laughs> This one's all you. I didn't get to pick it up even to flip through it and get mad about. So Yeah. Everybody remembers how we talked about the horn that was in Superman number one, that it was toted as, oh, this ties into Stormwatch number one, blah, blah, blah. And it was one page. <laughs> That's exactly what happens in Superman number six. <laughs> I just flipped through it. He's fighting some clone of him i don't even know what it is he's fighting somebody who looks like him and then he, when he beats them they disintegrate into nothing so he's fighting himself throughout the whole issue then the last page we see the piece that fell from Stormwatch land in the himalayas and um this person gets out of it but he's completely in a spacesuit and he's talking about how there's a daemonite hideout there and he's walking towards this like mountainside and these doors open and you kind of see this silhouette inside that kind of looks like a horde of daemonites and that's it <laughs> so is it a cameo of hellspot we won't know until next issue <laughs> i didn't pick it up because of that <laughs> so i didn't miss anything is what you're saying not really no all right some other upcoming wildstorm releases releases uh for march uh, we have Stormwatch number 7 on March 7th, uh, Grifter number 7, Superboy number 7, and Demonites number 7 all come out on the 14th. Hopefully a, a Fairchild appearance in Superboy number 7, probably as we get closer to that that big crossover. Demonites, any likely Stormwatch connections? Probably not, but we'll see about that. And Grifter, I'm sure, will be running somewhere all over the globe with a bunch of women. That's my guess. <laughs> and and Midnighter, remember. <laughs> and Midnighter. Right. And Grifter is shirtless, according to what just happened. So Sure, yeah. As he goes to the Himalayas, he's freezing. Yep. <laughs> um, and then we have Voodoo number 7 coming out on March 28th. And remember that all these books are available digitally, either through DC Comics website or comicsology.com, date and date every Wednesday. So you have no excuse, even if you don't get out to the comic book shop. But... I would suggest support your local comic book shop first. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Just a few quick shout-outs before we go. Um, be sure and check out Chris Stryker's uh, Stormwatch site. No www. Just type in stormwatch.ws. And also remember to visit his site, The Higher Authority. It's mainly to visit Clark's Bar. That's why I went ahead and put a link directly to it at the site at our site because he doesn't update The Higher Authority anymore with no authority titles. But there are, you know, all the all the old long-term Wildstorm fans. Shout out to uh, Doctor Funk, who just came back to the Wildstorm, who just came back to the boards. Uh, I don't know if you remember him from the old boards. 
but he's back. Unfortunately, he's one of the ones against the new 52. <laughs> so we're going to have yet another person, uh, you know, talking bad about it. So, oh, well. Also, um, I guess you could say our unofficial partner podcast, the DC Wormhole podcast, just put out episode seven. You can pick them up at uh, culturalwormhole.com where they're covering several of the core DCU 52 books. Just quick mention, we do have a picture of the Grifter bust uh, at the website, and it looks awesome. So that will be mine. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if the wife is going to let me go for that one, but I really want it really, really bad. And thanks thanks for continuing the whole bust episode. Uh, that's, yeah. You said it. We were talking about boobs. Now we're talking about <laughs> We'll just keep the theme going. Sorry, yeah. I had to. <laughs> Anyways, you can contact us. Uh, you can get a hold of Joe. He's twitter.com slash grifter78. You can look me up. I'm Yo-Yo Master 146 at the Wildstorm Resource Wiki. Um, you can contact both of us, twitter.com slash wildstormaddict, or email us at wildstormaddiction at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook fan page and also a Google Plus page. So you guys never have any excuse to contact us. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Oh, and uh, Joe and I have been updating our suggested reading page. Uh, Joe spent a lot of time on that, so we've just gone back through to clean up some of the links and make it look a little bit prettier. So if you or anybody that you know is interested in catching up on older Wildstorm stuff so that they know what the heck's going on in the new DCU, check out our suggested reading page. Yeah, because obviously DC still not really recognizes that those are profitable. Otherwise, they wouldn't have the two Stormwatch hardcovers coming out. <laughs> so, yep. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. And we will hear from you and let you know what's going on in Wildstorm next month. <laughs> <laughs>